I'm Collier Landry, subject of the investigation discovery documentary A Murder in Mansfield. On New Year's Eve 1989, I awoke in the middle of the night to the sound of two loud thuds. The next morning, my mother was missing, but I knew she was no longer alive. No one believed me except one detective. And 25 days later, police found my mother's body buried beneath the basement floor of my father's new home he purchased for his mistress. I had witnessed a murder. And at the age of 12, I testified against my father at his months-long murder trial. He is still incarcerated to this day. I'm Collier Landry. And I'm Brenda Fisher. And this is Moving Past Murder. So, Brenda, we're both in different cities and different places. You're in what, Washington? I'm in Seattle, Washington at the airport right now. Wow. The miracle of modern technology that we've all come to enjoy over the pandemic. Right. A.K.A. Zoom. Gotta love it. (laughs) Uh, So, Brenda, we were going to put out our other episode, which is... um, we were going to read one of my father's letters again, the second half of it, but some news came in town. I got a text message from a really good friend of mine named Shelly Seckle in Mansfield. And there's another murder. Another murder in Mansfield. What is, what is going on? Like, what is happening? What are they putting in the tap water out there? Right. And this, again, is somebody, it's a re- sort of a role reversal, I suppose, um, from my case. This is a woman who murdered her husband and buried him in the basement. Yes. And it was all stemming from a fight. It sounds like. I don't, I don't know, but uh, this is what we're going to talk about. And uh, so let's get to it. All right, let's do it. All right. So, Brenda, before we get into this case of Elizabeth Harris, I believe is her name. Let's see here. Elizabeth. Yes. Rebecca Elizabeth Harris. Before we get into this case of Rebecca Elizabeth Harris in Lexington, Ohio, last week we put out my stalker episode. And the stalker did not like that very much. She did not, but she knew who we were talking about, didn't she? But she did. She responded with a very threatening email that she was getting a lawyer and that she was going to come after me for um, slander. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how, because we didn't mention her name or where she lives or any of that. So I don't know how, how we slandered her or I slandered her. But well, apparently, apparently, it just gets keeps going deeper and deeper. Yep, and it's not slander if it's true. Just saying. And, and so, in this particular email, which I won't read, but uh, she did mention, she didn't mention anything about not contacting my father. She didn't deny any of that or any of the creepiness or anything like that. She just kept going on and on about how dare I uh, mention her. And mentioned her son or suggested her son wasn't real or something. And, and we didn't do that. 
we were just wondering if she was who she says she was, right. which we didn't mention who she said she was anyways. No. So she was angry. She was a little angry and is going to expose me as the quote trauma fraud that I am. I'm yeah. a trauma. I am a trauma fraud. You know, and it's so funny because she contacted your parents without your permission. She contacted your father without your permission. Correct. And it's like that to me is a little bit, no, it's a lot creepy. And normal people <laughs> don't do those things and then lie about it and act like it was, you know, someone else instigating it, not her, it wasn't her doing it. You know, that just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. But stalking people doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to begin with. No, and it sounds like she has an obsession about you. And it's a little weird. It's a little weird. I think she feels that I'm obsessed with myself. She says I'm very manipulative and narcissistic. So perhaps Ah. the obsession that she feels that she does not have is really me imagining that she's having an obsession because of my own obsession with myself. It's sort of like, it's like a Christopher Nolan film. It's like (laughs) the obsession behind the obsession behind the obsession could also be, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, so a really good friend of mine, Shelly Wilson Seckle, who has known me, since I was knee high to a corn stalk, as we like to say in the sticks, or I don't even know what. Knew me since I was a little kid. She worked for my orthodontist. And she knew my mom really well. And we were able to reconnect um, because of a murder in Mansfield, which was really cool. And she sent me this message the other day. It was yesterday, I believe. And said, have you seen this? And this is the case. Well, what is going to be the case of this Rebecca Elizabeth Harris in Lexington. So I've got, I guess there were some new court um, documents when she was arraigned. I guess what happened is on Tuesday. So Tuesday, what would that have been? The 27th? Yes. Tuesday, the 27th, I guess people had reported her husband, uh, 38-year-old Todd Blevins, missing. And I guess apparently he went missing on April the 18th or that was when they believed the murder took place was April 18th. And his birthday was April 20th, 420. Uh 420. 420, which was the day I got my second vaccine dose. So now I am vaccinated and I have the microchip in me in case anyone is curious. (laughs) I can now be tracked by the government. So make sure when you guys post about call, you're having the vaccine that you do it on Facebook through your mobile device. Cause no one's tracking you that way at all. Right. Well, Hey, uh, don't, don't say that too loud because your stalker friend's going to go, huh? Another oh, way to, to find help. That's great. Oh boy. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. Anyways, moving oh. right along, <laughs> moving nice. right along. So, I guess these new court documents came out. She was arraigned, I believe, on Wednesday, the 20, what would that have been, the 28th? So today's yes. Thursday, the 29th. Beautiful Southern California. We, we had a heat wave here. It was oh, like wow. 91 degrees when I was on set at 7 o'clock this morning. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was like 90 degrees, which was awesome because I like took my jeans off and put my shorts on that I brought, which was amazing. And um, I sat around and waited for a construction crew that never showed up for our show. <laughs> 
<laughs> so straight. It was a very. Uh, so uh, did you go for a swim? I, I well, there's the pool isn't done yet, so I can't go oh. swimming in the pool when it's not finished. Sadly. Yeah, that's no fun. But I, it's going to be a race to see if they will get these pools done by the end of the summer. And summer, I think, ends officially in September. And I'm pretty sure we're going to be shooting till then. Oh, because I'm sure. apparently because of the pandemic, there are there's a shortage of concrete and conduit for electric like electrical conduit and all these like things that we have come to take advantage or take, take for granted when building homes and making these fabulous backyards like we do on Pool Kings season four. And uh, hey, there you go. Anyways, back to what we're talking about, though. 38 year old Todd Blevins went missing on april the 18th and apparently according to this article people had been inquiring to her like where did todd go and her initial story to them was that he had left their relationship to beginning another relationship in another state key ingredient to that situation is his car was still in the driveway so perhaps he ubered to this other state or he ubered <laughs> to the airport but didn't pack anything to begin this new relationship. So that's what happened apparently. And then people became suspicious and, you know, it says here, those who now we're reading this from WMFD's website, uh, which is our local um, television station in Mansfield. And uh, ironically, when we were making a murder in Mansfield, I came to find out that that essentially day when the, before the trial started, they didn't even have, I guess, cameras at the television station. They weren't like ready for it. And oh, they wow. had to like put together like people to go out and shoot the trial and all this stuff. And it kind of made them force them to do that because when we went to get the um, footage of all the nightly news reports about the trial, the, they were like deteriorated because they didn't, you know, they didn't take care of them and it's not their fault. Like they didn't know. They didn't know what they were getting into. And then apparently everybody was just kind of figured it out on the fly, which, hey, I'm cool with that. Whatever. Right. But anyways, WMFD has reported that neighbors were concerned and started asking about Blevins whereabouts days after his now what? Well, now they know death. But she said, you know, he had left the state to pursue another relationship. And it says here, however, Blevins vehicle remained at the home, drawing suspicion from those who knew him. Attempts to reach Blevins were unsuccessful, which was uncharacteristic of him, especially on his birthday, April 20th. Wow. An anonymous tipster reported a foul odor coming from the home on Tuesday. So this would have been Tuesday the 27th, which prompted police to perform a wellness check. Several officers of the Lexington Police Department contacted Harris at the home and were invited in to ask further questions about the disappearance. In a press release to the media, Lexington Police Chief Brett Pauley wrote, at first, she, speaking of um, Mrs. Harris, right, uh, was cooperative with the officers and allowed them inside her home, but ended the contact abruptly and asked them to leave while she picked up her children from school. So that raised some red flags with police officers. Uh, because I, apparently she had become kind of nervous and irritated that they were in her home, that she let them in, you know. Uh, and it says, uh, after securing a search warrant, officers forced entry into the home and located Blevin's body in the basement, which was partially covered in concrete. 
As the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation began a thorough sweep of the home, officers put out a bolo, not unlike YOLO, but bolo, be on the lookout alert for Harris's vehicle. Harris was located and taken into custody at approximately 6 o'clock p.m. Tuesday afternoon uh, without incident. And she was charged with one count of murder and one count of abuse of a corpse. Interestingly enough, my father was charged with abuse of a corpse, which carries a penalty. Well, at that time in Ohio, what was that, 31 years ago? It was a year and a half in prison for abuse of a corpse. So if you're going to kill somebody, don't just leave the body. Don't do anything to it because then you don't abuse a corpse and you save a little time on your uh, conviction, apparently. But um, want to note that she is, we do live in the United States and you know, we are a country that believes innocent until proven guilty, despite recent events. Uh, we don't try people, but with the mob mentality, or we're not supposed to. And uh, so she is innocent until proven guilty. So, Brenda, you said we, when I called you up today at the airport, you said you had a little coaching that you would maybe perhaps. Yes, yes. So not to sound completely morbid, but, you know, if you're going to you know kill someone i guess that's the best way to say it and use the yeah you know, commit, commit murder commit, commit murder. murder and use yeah. the self you know i'm assuming she's going to try to use self-defense as her you know reasoning behind this okay mm -hmm. and she she might have been believable up to the point where she shot him once which they're saying that if you feel like your life is in danger you're you know, can use means um, of force up until the person is no longer a threat. So she shot him once. He was no longer a threat. Sounds like he was dead at that point. Yeah, she shot um, him in the head. I think, I think, you know. Yeah, he's pretty much dead. Um, she should have called the police immediately because she might have had a leg to stand on had she used that in the moment. Um, but the fact that she took his body down into the basement and left it there and continued on with her life and, you know, had his car in the driveway and was telling this crazy story and that he had left for another woman, you know, that's just going to make her look, um, you know, like it was possibly premeditated. It's like people just aren't very, you know, bright when they think that they're, you know, going to try to get away with something. Um, and whether she lost her mind during this whole thing or if there was abuse that had gone on, whatever, just the way that she handled it was so poorly done that, you know, I really don't see her having any leg to stand on at this point. Well, and the other thing, I have one more question before you jump in. Sure. The other thing is now the neighbors said they smelled something, right? Yeah. So the police never said anything about when they went to the house about smelling anything. And that would have given them the right just to search the premises from the odor. Um, well, I think that's how they were able to secure the search warrant, apparently, okay. very quickly. Uh, okay. It seems like they got that search warrant pretty, pretty yeah. handily. Because uh, nothing smells quite like decomp in the morning. You know what I'm saying? No, exactly. And it's, you know, our weather is wacky in Ohio. It'll be 77 one day and then it's like 40 the next day and snowing and, you know, 30s blizzard and then sunshine and then rain and thunderstorms. So, you know, springtime in Ohio. But, you know, here's the unfortunate thing for me, and I'm looking, I, there's some various um, posts on Facebook, uh, social media regarding this case. There's comparisons because everybody said, oh, basement in the body. Oh, this sounds like the doctor case. Who was that? Dr. Boyle. And then somebody 
goes on to say that, uh, oh, you know, it, it's, was there a documentary about this? No, this is Dr. Boyle and his son made a documentary called A Murder of Mansfield. So it's not going to assume anything about the situation myself, myself, but my thoughts and prayers are with the children and the family is left to pick up the pieces, which is obviously something that I can definitely relate to. There's right. also been talk that this woman was potentially abused and he was strangling her in the middle of the night. And that's why she fired the gun. She had taken the gun from a safe, apparently, and put it underneath her pillow. He got into an altercation where he was choking her. She shot him. And that, unfortunately, is, as you said, I don't I don't think from what everything that I'm reading, and I think you probably draw the same conclusion, is that she didn't she, she wasn't didn't set out that I am going to kill my husband tonight. Right. You know, it's not uh, it's not a Taylor Swift song. Nobody, no crime. It is a legitimate like self-defense. She snapped. Probably she might have undergone. I mean, I can't speak to this. I don't know these people. Uh, now, watch one of them was my graduating class. Who knows? But as far as I know, I do not know these people. Um, but it feels like maybe she was driven to a point where she was tired of the abuse, had the gun for protection and killed him at close range because he was strangling her and again she should have just called law enforcement and you know maybe she wouldn't be facing a murder charge she might be facing a manslaughter or self-defense or you know what i mean And, and you know one of the things that my father said in the documentary to me and obviously we're dealing with a sociopath this woman i don't think is a sociopath he said, oh, you know, I panicked uh, because she wasn't breathing. Well, no, that doesn't discount the fact that you asked about lowering the floor, the basement to the realtor. You rented a jackhammer to dig her a grave. You got all these things in life. Like, you know what I mean? This is Yeah, but that. all those things were prior to your mother being murdered. Precisely. Yeah. But his, but his thing in the, in the documentary was he was saying, oh, well, I panicked and I didn't know what to do. I was like, well, why did you bury her body? Why did you put a plastic bag over her head? And, you know, the autopsy says suffocation after, you know, BFT blunt force trauma to the back of my mother's head. Right. She was then suffocated. So uh, that was his sort of thing. Now, I believe in this case, this woman could have panicked and said, I don't know what to do. I have children in the house. Apparently, she sent her kids to school the next day. And then that's when she drug, dragged the body downstairs, put it in the basement. I've heard some hearsay of that it wouldn't, she had said to somebody, it wouldn't fit in the freezer. One of the arresting officers or something said, well, I couldn't put him in the freezer because there was no room. Darn it, Costco. Like, you're always getting in the way. Do we, no, we don't have Costco. In oh. We have Sam's Club. Same thing. So oh owned by Walmart. Uh, anyways, freezer was full of, you know, bratwurst for 4th of July and Memorial Day barbecues, oh, frozen vegetables, and maybe some acai bowls. I'm not sure. Uh, but <laughs> she couldn't put him in the freezer, so she buried him and put concrete. And I guess did this a very did a very poor job of burying him because I guess he was like half covered in concrete. Which, uh, yeah, tells me that this was not something that was exactly thought through. But unfortunately, now and she's it didn't basically... sound like she was like thinking at all at that point. Like I don't know, she was just like going through the motions and trying to function, but. It just doesn't, none of it sounds sane because a sane person to me would be like, oh my God, I got to call the police and I've got to, you know, deal with this now and, you know, call relatives to take the kids or whatever. If you were thinking, you know, rationally or 
what she did by just like going through the motions, taking the kids to school, taking him downstairs. Well, I'll just find a way to bury him in the basement and my life will just continue on. I mean, a sane person just to me can't think that life's going to go back to normal after all of that. And it sounds to me like she was almost thinking that it would, like she could just keep going. And I just don't understand that. Like, I don't get what was going through her head or, you know, what she was even thinking. It's just crazy. I guess until you're in a situation like that, you know, you don't know. Oh, absolutely. You don't know what you're faced with. You don't know. Yeah. It sounds to me like she panicked. I mean, there's this show that I watch on NBC. I got, you know, I saw it on Netflix. I started watching it. it stars Christina Hendricks. So, of course, that's why I tuned into it. Of course. of course. And then I was like, oh, this is kind of stupid. But then I'm like, oh, it's Christina Hendricks. So I'll continue to watch. And now I'm on the fourth season. It's, I can't are you watching? Getting are you watching Good Girls? I'm watching Good Girls. And I remember, love Good Girls. Remember the church going woman that yes. ends up extorting them and she sticks her husband in the freezer. So that's what I yes. thought when I saw I, I, I heard about this. And I, that's what came to mind. I don't know what her name is, the brunette. But oh, she, she's good, too. Yeah. And she was in she good. was in Fargo. She was in the series Fargo, too. Well, I she's, don't know yeah. her, her CV as far as her acting goes, but yeah, the character of her has got the kids and you know she killed the husband and she's collecting the checks from the government for his you know va retirement because he was in the service or something i don't know anyways yeah uh, but he died she didn't kill him he died in an accident had a heart oh, attack right. in the front yard but she knew she would lose all of his money and wouldn't be able to support the family so she had to do it she had to put him in the freezer and you know, keep collecting the checks because that's, I mean, she had like four or five kids. It was like, what was she going to do? That's, that's, and that's and why a, and a she baby. panicked. Yep. Yeah. She and, but panicked. she loved her husband and she was really sad that he died. Um, so that's a little different. And I think she deserves, I mean, in that situation where, you know, they die of natural causes like that, I do think that the, all that money should go to the widow so that they wouldn't have to do something like that. But that's another subject. Well, you know, this is the United States government. We're not exactly, uh, up on taking care of our own. Let's just keep it real. Or the God help us all. <laughs> or our veterans or anything for that matter. Right? But that is a conversation for another day and that has is. nothing yes. to do with what this is. But uh yeah, so that's what I thought of initially when I heard this. But yes, you're right. She did not kill her husband, but she did get involved in some shady business during the during the course of the show so far. Yes. But that said, uh this is an interesting story. I, you know, I, I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more details and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more rumors and conjecture, tabloid conjecture, if you will, I'm sure that will follow this case. And, uh, but I mean, again, this just goes back to what I was saying. What are they putting in the water in Richland County? Like what is going on? We have the case of melinda davis now we have this case with this gentleman and his wife you know oh, it's um it's kind of crazy it's mind-boggling it's like how many other murders have taken place that you just have missed out on throughout the years that maybe you need to catch up on because there's you know i guess oh. so well we're going to be tuning into this one 
on WMFD's Facebook page, but also we're going to be looking at some of the players involved in this one. And, and shout out to Shelly Seckle for sending this along to me. My parents also called me and they said, this will be great for your podcast. As did, Shelly, as did Shelly. <laughs> this is going to be great. You should do this. And she texted me today. Oh, and I said, Lord. I'm going to record this today on my podcast. I'm going to push my other episode. It's but really yes, unfortunate. Back to Mansfield again. You know, everybody Mansfield. who knew this family and knows these children you know, please be there for them because absolutely. You know, I hope no, the family is yeah. able to step up and oh, it's so sad. I guess that, you know, they, they've ordered the woman not to communicate with the victim's family. I mean, yeah, of course. Well, sure. For right. Uh, yeah, of course. But it's like those poor kids, you know, that's their mom and that's their dad. And no matter what side you take in this or how you feel about it, those poor kids be there absolutely. for them. They because it's not their it. fault. Well, this goes back to something that's really key, though. Again, remember we had the episode where I read, you know, the messages from my cousin that I hadn't met yet. Right. Yeah, we called that episode Sins of the Father because it, it came around full circle. His brother was like, I don't want to have anything to do with Collier. Don't get sucked into his scam or his schemes. So, again, these kids that ha they have nothing to do with this. They have nothing. They have no control over their parents' behavior. These kids are going to need help. They're going to, they're, they're not only have just lost their father in a tragic circumstance, but now they're going to potentially lose their mother for the better part of their lives. Yes. And I would just encourage anyone that's, you know, that's in the family or what, don't take it out on the kids. I've been there. Yeah. It sucks. Um, one of the great things though, was from doing that episode, my cousin that I grew up with, he's only a few years older than me. It was his sisters. It was her sisters that were molested by my father. Um, so obviously this threw a huge monkey wrench into the relationship as I discussed on the podcast and during that episode, but he reached out to me after listening to the podcast and we have reconnected and it's really cool. Uh, it but cool. we're going to, we're going to talk about that on another episode uh, because there are, you know, sometimes as, as tragic as these things are, uh, you can, you know, have a moment to mend fences uh, and, you know, move, move past murder. Yep. You got to. You've got to. Well, Brenda, I, I'm going to say have a safe flight. I know you're about ready to board. Yep, I'm a little I'm jealous. Your I, way. I can't. I'm a little jealous because I cannot wait to get on an airplane again. On that note, I'm Collier Landry, and I'm Brenda Fisher, and this is Moving Past Murder. Thanks, y'all. For more information, please visit movingpastmurder.com or mpmpodcast.com. The film A Murder in Mansfield is available on Investigation Discovery, Hulu, and Amazon Prime Video. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio in association with RSA Entertainment.